Hello and welcome to the Criterion Quest, a continuing podcast series looking at important films and contemporary classics. My name is Chris and I'm joined as always by my wonderful co-host Lee. Hello. How you going? Oh, a lot better than I've been. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so as listeners might have noticed, uh, we're, we're, a week, we're a week or two late with an episode and uh, uh, apologies again to our patrons uh, with the... The commentary, lack of commentary and things this month, but um, you got the spicy cough. I got the spicy cough, <laughs> and how, and how? It's that weirdness of just like, all right, well, the pandemic's clearly done, isn't it? <laughs> no. no, it is not. No, but, but uh, this gave me um weird uh, memories of having spicy cough at certain points in this film, which we'll get into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you're feeling all right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Getting there. Getting there. Um, but how, how'd you go? Did you watch anything? Did you, like, uh, consume any media while lying around in isolation and things? Yes and no. For most of part of it, I couldn't do much, really. But then uh, I ended up watching a few new things. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly Ghibli's that I hadn't seen before. Ooh, nice. What prompted that? Um, I wanted to watch some non-Miyazaki ones, which I hadn't really seen a lot of before. And I just wanted warm hugs, but not ones I'd seen. So, but then I ended up watching The Wind Rises, which is definitely not a warm hug of a film. (laughs) No, no, it's it's amazing. That's one I've grown to like a lot more, like the more I watch it, but... Yeah, it's not a warm hug movie. <laughs> no, but it was nice to get some, yeah, non-Miyazaki Ghibli knowledge behind me. And that's got to be like his one, Wind Rises is like his one that's not fantasy based either. Yeah. It's like actually grounded in real. I mean, there's like one or two dream sequences, but yeah, like no, it's... Yeah, but it's based on a true story. Yeah, and like grounded in actual real world. But mm. yeah, did you do like Princess of Princess Kaguya and stuff like that? Or? No, I did oh, uh, Whispers of the Heart. Oh, yeah. The Cat Returns. Lovely. And I'm starting to notice that the Baron, the cat, the Baron, is a reoccurring character in different Ghibli. So I want to go watch all the Baron Ghiblis. Ah, nice, <laughs> nice. I didn't, I had not picked up on that. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen a couple of good things lately. Yep. Um, I'll just automatically, I'm, I will join the chorus of the rest of the world and say that uh, everything, everywhere, all at once is a fucking masterpiece. Yes, we want to go see that, didn't we? we were yeah, to- yeah, I'm, I'm very keen to try and get, like, it's one of those ones where I'm trying to organise, like, friends to go and see. Just like, yeah. if anyone's around this weekend, let's fucking go and see it. Mm-hmm. See it on a big screen, know nothing about it as yeah, well. Yeah, no, that's what I'm, tra- I've seen the trailer and I'm really excited, but I know I'm going to love it. Yeah, it's, it's, I think I told you, it's like the first film I've given a, like, flat five stars to in, nice. like, probably two years. Like first oh. new film, yeah. Yeah, first new film. Fuck Two yeah. or three years, yeah. So that's great. Mm, I I fucking that loved praise. it. Even even Claire was like, "That's a five star movie." Wow, that's a five star. <laughs> this is high praise from the yeah. it's fine guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, I fucking loved it. Um, it's one of those movies where you, you just sit there with a giant grin on your face, being like, "God, movies are fun." Yay! <laughs> oh, I need that in my life. Yeah, exactly. Um, and speaking of things needing in uh, your life, I also watched uh, the unbearable weight of a massive talent last night, which is the film where Nick Cage plays Nick Cage. Right. <laughs> and it's an extremely weird uh, meta examination of kind of Hollywood and uh, that you know that man's career and things, and it's. Really funny, and it like it's very meta in the sense of like it sets up what it's going to be doing in Act One. Like the characters openly explain where the plot is going and what's going to end up happening, and then it it's like really interesting meta filmmaking. Wow. I saw it, saw it with a sold out crowd. They were like laughing hysterically and loving it, and I was that guy sitting up the back with a beer, just like, hmm, this is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like not necessarily laughing out loud at moment. I, I'd like laugh out loud at like weird film reference moments. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but like, you know, them talking about cabinet of Dr. Caligari and stuff where the rest of the audience at Chadston's like, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, uh, the, I will say the, like, speaking of like the mood that you want, um, it utilizes Paddington too in a way that is absolutely beautiful and lovely. And it's the kind of like, that's the film moment I need for 2022 is, you know, lovely, Putting Paddington 2 on a pedestal. In the Nicolas Cage movie? <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Paddington 2 is used as like a lovely emotional button. <laughs> he is an emotional button. It's, oh, fucking, it, yeah. Again, it, I'm, that's the great thing about this movie. Everyone's going to go and see it because, hey, it's the weird Nick Cage movie. And it's going to force a lot of people to go and watch Paddington 2, yeah. which is great. <laughs> I've still got to do that, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
listeners, if you haven't seen Paddington 2, it's worth it. <laughs> I've got to say, uh, before we get into the episode, that uh, you and I watched the Oscars. Oh, yeah. But not together. But we were texting because I was homesick and so I was watching it, but you were at the cinema watching yeah, it. Yeah, I was at the event thing. Yes, yes. And... Uh, it, it went off totally fine. It was a bit of a dull, boring yeah, event. Nothing of note happened. No. <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> I actually feel quite um, privileged to have watched it live. Yeah. <laughs> and in a country that's not America, because they lost the feed. Yeah. They lost the audio, whereas we, none, none of the international countries knew to do that. Yeah, a lot of the southern, the southern hemisphere countries got like the it was before the 1 minute delay or whatever. So it's yeah. like Australia, Japan, a few other places, I think Argentina and stuff like they got we got wow. the live feed and we're all like I was sitting in the <laughs> cinema and it was just like Yeah, what did just, people do? It was everyone's just like, "Oh, it's a bit, it's a bit." And then Chris Rock just yeah. been like, "Wow, Will Smith slapped the shit out of me." I'm like, "No swearing." That's not a bit. That's not a bit. And then when he I remember there was a quote by someone who was in the audience saying the air was pulled or sucked from the room when it happened. Yeah. Not the slap, but when he started screaming. And I'm like, because that's it's how like, I felt. That's I a like, man clearly unhinged. Unhinged. <laughs> but the best is like, if yeah, the best reaction for it all is Lupita Nyong'o sitting behind him. He's just like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was exactly her reaction. Yeah. But um, There's not much to say that hasn't no. been said other than I completely agree with what Jim Carrey came out saying. Mm, yeah, I mean, Jim Carrey. Very obvious, like, you know, asterisks, like, not always the beacon of a great person. But, but I think what he said was very accurate. accurate. Yes. I think it was disgraceful. Yep. And I think, actually, that the penalty is too lenient. I think someone put it really well. If it was any other situation, technically Chris Rock was, say, a contractor. He was contracted to do Yeah, he, he was he was at work right there. Yeah, and a client or a mm. patron came up and hit him. And in any other workplace, that person would be not only banned for life, but the police would be called. Yeah. And I think just because it's Hollywood, it's being watched by billions of people, you know, yeah. it's just, yeah. So anyway. Yeah, and yeah, it... it uh, yeah, it was funny watching it, like, live and then him going up and doing Like, I've never seen so many people pull out their phones to, like, Google if something was real. Like, if it was a bit or not. Um, and then him going up and giving his speech, people started booing in the cinema. <laughs> was it. And, like, when he's just like, I'm a vessel for love, people were like, get the fuck off the stage! <laughs> yes! That would have been great, because my husband, Josh, was upstairs at mm. the time. I'm like, come here! And he's like, that did not happen. I'm like, trying to Google it. Yeah. It was too early to Google. Yeah, yeah. And um, then, yeah, now it's everywhere and it's not even interesting mm. anymore. <laughs> um, my favourite comment on it all was um, by the amazing comedian uh, Gerard Carmichael. I'll also shout out if... Uh, you're interested at all, uh, his new comedy special, Rathaniel, uh, his HBO special uh, directed by Bo Burnham, is fucking amazing. <laughs> uh, great, great comedy special. Highly recommend that. But he hosted Saturday Night Live, and he came out, and like for the monologue, he's just like, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> he's like, it felt like it happened months ago. Yeah. It happened five days ago. Yeah. And he That's said, it. like, you know, on Monday, all I wanted to do was talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Tuesday, and, you know, it was starting to get a bit... By Wednesday, I wanted to kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's how I feel about it. If we'd recorded this post right before, like, yeah. it would have been way more interesting. But what's... It's all been said. Yeah, exactly. And who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's the thing... Like, the thing that I'm going to find interesting about it is whether... It, how it affects me going back and watching some Will Smith movies. I think it will be okay. Like, I was never the biggest fan to begin no, with. It's interesting because in our previous, I don't know if it was our right previous episode, but we said we predicted he'd win the Oscar because he was the favourite. Yeah. And we're like, that speech, man, we're all going to love that speech. Yeah, we yeah. made a video yeah, about it. Yeah, we made it. a video about it, which, by the way, is now getting a bunch of hits because it's called <laughs> The Fresh Prince of the Oscars. <laughs> 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 it's like it's not what people think. No. Yeah, <laughs> um, and they're, they're like, "This isn't what happened." Yeah. Um. So that's funny. But like, I loved as well. Like Wanda Sykes, who was one of the hosts, she said, "Like, yeah, he should have been escorted out by security and things." And she's like, "I wish that had happened because I, because then he wins Best Acting. I would have gone up and just been like, uh, oh, Will couldn't be here tonight.'" <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Which, yeah, it would have been great. But yeah, that that was a dumpster fuck of a speech. Yeah, as the Oscars normally like. That's the thing. Like, uh, you know, we we did our little pre-Oscars episode. And some listeners were just like, who gives a shit about the Oscars? Mm. And I'm like, 
yeah, we made that kind of clear. Like, you know, the Oscars don't matter, but it's fun. Yeah. Like, we're nerds. We like stats and stuff, so. (laughs) Do you know what I was thinking watching it? It's really unfortunate because, you know, everyone says, oh, it's their moment in the limelight. He spoiled it for them. What I thought is, I used to watch the Oscars when I was real little. Yeah. When that delightful Billy Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I used to, you know, fantasize and dream. Oh, I'd love to win or not, you know, whatever. Yeah. All that glamour and that fantasy and hmm. all that. And kids are watching this and they're probably thinking the same thing now. Yeah. And us as adults can dismiss him as being a dickhead. But it's so, that is such an influential thing to do, like... Yeah. All those kids watching it. Like, Thinking that that's acceptable behaviour exactly. and things. Like, yeah, he's a role model for a lot of young men and... Yeah. Yeah. And the way that all of that happened is, like, pretty terrible. Yeah. But... But I think we're, we're done with this now. Yes, moving yes. Moving on. Yeah, moving <laughs> on. Because we've got something way more interesting to talk about. Way more interesting. <laughs> Indeed. We watched uh, Masakai Kobayashi's 1962 film, Harakiri. Mm. Now, before we get into synopsis or anything like that, you had never seen before? Mm-hmm, never. Uh, had you heard about or never. knew anything about? Nothing. Okay. I went in blind and happily so. Yes. Okay. Because this is a film I have seen many times. Yes. Uh, Claire sat and watched it with us. It is now her second time she's seen it even now. I just find that the highest praise. Yeah, that Claire was sat and watched a over two hour long Japanese film yeah. again. Uh, but yes, Harakiri. Following the collapse of his clan, an unemployed samurai arrives at the manor of Lord Ii, begging to be allowed to commit ritual suicide on the property. Ii's clansmen, believing the desperate ronin is merely angling for a new position, trying, try to force his hand to get him to eviscerate himself. Uh, but, they are, but they have underestimated his beliefs and his personal brand of honour. Harakiri, directed by Masakai Kobayashi, is a fierce evocation of individual agency in the face of a corrupt and hypocritical system. Mm. What did you think of Harakiri? There's so much to unpack, but I must start with fucking loved it. It's fucking amazing, isn't it? You talking about five stars before, I I would I would give this five stars. Yeah, it, it is it is a stone cold masterpiece. Stone cold masterpiece. Stone <laughs> that's, cold. That's why, like, I for a long time because we've had a bit of a run lately. Like, you know, some good films in there, but it's been a bit of a. Well, it's the Criterion Collection. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've just known from the time that we hit like three hundred to three, like this little chunk of the next kind of ten is fucking awesome. Because we had an angel at my table, which was. Amazing. And then before that was Life Aquatic. Yep. And now Harakiri. Yeah. And now we've got a next up we got a couple of Nicholas Rogue films. Um, I've never seen Bad Timing, but the one after. Uh, how'd you like to see David Bowie as a sh- as an alien coming down to have Ooh. sex with women and things? Um, very much. <laughs> yeah. The man who <laughs> fell to Earth. Uh, Lay Samurai. Ooh, Mike Lee's naked. Like yeah, yeah we got a we're on a run right now. So. I'm pleased. Yes. But uh, I'm so glad you enjoyed this film. Yes, it's hard not to, and I think um, it's the it's the storytelling. Yeah, it's so many things, but it's the way the story's told. And I know at some point, and we'll get into the story, but at some point you realise what's happening or what has happened, but you're still like, but how did we get here? But how yeah. did we get here? How did we get to this point? And so you're constantly like enthralled yeah. wanting to know what's happening what's going on it's such an interesting choice to like obviously the film opens with a very horrific event <laughs> with um we have the young uh, samurai uh, desperate samurai motomo arriving um and basically around this time there was a kind of slew of out of work and unemployed samurais in ronin going around and uh, asking to commit seppuku or harakiri in the courts of castles and temples and to avoid this kind of happening they would just pay them off and be like here's some money here's some food just fuck off mm-hmm. um so motomo goes to this castle or this clan with that in mind in the hope that that's going to be happening um and they are dicks <laughs> about it yeah yeah it's interesting because we we're originally starting with Hanshiro, who is our main character, and he's going to the temple requesting to commit Harakiri. Yes. And his the warning that he is given is this previous samurai's story. Yes. Which uh, is Motomo. Happen, happened like three months earlier or something, yes, I want to say. something yeah. like that. And it was clear Motomo went to um, the... Uh, uh, E.E. Clan, yeah. Yeah. 
to not go through with his harakiri, but rather to gain money yes. or food or something, but was forced to then, like you said, uh, commit the harakiri. Now, his swords were bamboo. Yes. And all of this makes sense. And I love how we are in the clan E. E. I, 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 I just called them the clan. Yeah, the clan. Yeah. <laughs> We're in the cl- clan's mind when we witness the first Harakiri. So we're like, yeah, he's he's clearly not wanting to go through. We can see his distress when they force him to. We can see, of course, he's got bamboo swords. Of course, he never intended to go through with it. Well, it even also throws in the question, is he even a samurai? Or is he someone pretending to, to be, be a, a samurai, samurai even? Yeah, he's yeah. here just to get money or food. He, he's a fraud, he's whatever a fraud. he's doing. And he has no intention of actually committing harakiri. Yeah. And all of these little niblets, uh, even though they might be inconsequential at this moment in the, in the story, are huge at the end, yeah. even to the point of the bamboo swords. Yes. And that, that's, I love the payoff of this film. There's so, yeah, so it, it is one of the, I think, I mean, I'm sure there's other examples, but like that immediately comes to mind as one of the greatest examples of telling a story in media res, where it's sort of you have your initial introduction, then we're going to go back and tell things in flashback and catch you up to where we are now in the in the present day, quote unquote. Nice catch. Thank you. <laughs> I dropped the Blu-ray. Like, what at midair? But yeah, like bring us up to speed by through the flashbacks and things. Like mm. you said, it, it meticulously lays out. Not breadcrumbs, but it, it's it's setting everything up perfectly for you that when these pieces of information then pay off, it just creates this beautiful whole. Mm, absolutely. And motivation for our main character. Yes. Because it's, it's interesting once, you know, we, we see the initial flashback of Motomo having to impale and kill himself with the bamboo swords, which is horrific and really kind of graphic for 1962. Mm. Um but then, you know, we flash forward to um, our protagonist going through, you know, sitting in the forecourt and he's, like, requesting the specific uh, samurai as his second and things, mm. like, meticulously planned out. Like. Yes, and we are blind to it at first. Yeah. It's, I can see it would be great for a rewatch. Um because you'd pick, you'd be, oh, see, that's the moment, that's the bit, you know. It, it's the performance, really, that stands out on the multiple rewatch of, mm. like, how... Because on that on your initial watch, I'm like, you could probably speak better to this, but mm. he comes across as just this kind of broken hobo, almost, mm-hmm. um, where he's like, I want this guy to be my second, and he's like, he's not here, and he's like, oh. <laughs> he's playing it so perfectly dumb, whereas, like, on a rewatch, you're like... You fucking conniving little devil. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, you're yeah. amazing at what you're... How you're... You're stringing these guys along the way that they strung along Motomo. You're ta- you're playing... It's like a cat playing with a mouse. And I love um, Hanshiro's difference in the way that in the early part of the film, he's like, well, I'm not going to be like that Motomo fella. I am here to kill myself. And yeah. he's so so different to what we've just witnessed. So we're like, okay, what is this guy's deal? I, th- I think his wording is actually, I ha- I came to this temple with the intention of dying. Yeah. So you're like, oh. This he, is, yeah. It's, but, it's also not, but it's also not specific whether it's going to be Harakiri or the hands of all of these clansmen. It's going to be, he's, he knows he's going to die and mm. he's, resi- he's, he's resigned to that. Yes. But... And at no point do you believe he's not going to. No. At some point you think that, like, oh, he does have a plan here. But I don't know. The whole way through I knew he was going to die. I can't explain yeah. it. Um, but I also love that there's little elements like Motomo is asked to change and then Hanshiro refuses to change. Yeah, it, it's him setting up the validity of his claim of yeah. uh, wanting to commit harakiri, like but the also, idea. That, yeah, and he has the top knots hidden. Yes, and he wants to reveal those at the appropriate time. Exactly. So yeah, little things like that that pay off later in the film, and you know there's something going on behind his eyes. By the way, 
uh, I'm not going to say the actor's name, but the main guy, hot. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. No, um, uh, Tatsuya Nakadai. Yeah, he's a great, great actor. What have I seen him in before? Uh, a lot. He yes. acted in over 100 films. Uh, he considers this one to be the best film he ever acted in. Oh, I don't blame him. Uh, let me just quickly uh, click on his IMDb and see what the top four are. What have we got here? Oh, yeah. Uh, Kagamusha? You remember that? The Kurosawa movie? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Ran. He's in Ran. The Kurosawa. Uh, sort of Doom? Yes. Yes, so that'd be the one, Sort of Doom. We've seen him before. Yeah. Definitely a lot of stuff. This, I've got to say, before we continue... Wow, man, he's still working into the point of he had a film come out in 2020. What the fuck? He's still alive and still going strong. <laughs> Jesus. I was going to make something... No, I won't say that. Um, <laughs> I was going to say he's going to... No. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say, I found... I wonder what this makes this film, for me, a lot more interesting than some Kurosawa films. Mm-hmm. And I think that while there is... It is set in a time and a place, it's not... Jamming it down your throat is probably not the best way to put it. But it, yeah. I find sometimes the politics or the honour or the that side of thing, the world building, to be quite tedious in a lot of other films around this time. And this one, it had enough without being too much, but you were so motivated by the... Well, the main character really uh, was motivating for you to keep watching. And you were like, yes, give me more. Yeah, it, it's really what he does by... He uses the narrative and his characters to... I mean, because there's a lot going on here in there terms is. of, like, post-war thematics for J- Japan. Um, and he's saying a whole lot with the film, but he's allowing it to kind of subtly come across through the narrative. Yes. And, you know, even... And he's, he's not hitting you over the head with it. No. He's not being very... It's not overt. It's very clearly there. And, you know, he does have his final speech at the end, which uh, which is like... Hey, if you didn't get this, <laughs> this is what this is all about. Yeah. Like the idea of, you know, honor and th- like, you know, the, the falsehood of honor and things and tradition. Like. Yeah. I would say that that part of the film was the only part that I, I love the end scenes, mm. but there was a bit where it's like, okay, I get it now. Yeah. I you're like, I, I got, I, I knew what this was doing without yeah, having to have it overtly um, said to me. Exposition dump. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, the the story goes on and I like that we deviate so much from the moment that we go into um, Hanshiro's life, his life with his daughter. And in this time, we learn about peace in Japan yeah. and how you'd think that that would be a good thing, but obviously not for a samurai. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're a trained killer and a warrior like, and it's peacetime, there's no work for you. Now, there's a bit that went a bit over my head, but he was part of the Ronin. And I love that we know what that is because, yeah. <laughs> A, we've watched a lot of these films now, but, B, we played um, Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> yes, an amazing video game. Yeah, so we're like, oh, right, and they wear hats. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this part of the game. <laughs> yeah. um, but this kind of bit maybe with rewatching would be a bit clearer, but there's a little bit of politics at this moment with the, the head has been overthrown or, or Yeah, basically or they, him and uh, Janji... I want to say, like his friend who is uh, Motomo's father. Ah, yes. uh, They are samurai who are employed uh, for this specific clan in this specific household. Um, The head of that clan and household is uh, disgraced and banished. So basically he's sent away and basically I think they say it leaves 11,000 people who are under his employ and part of his clan destitute. Yeah. At the drop of a hat. Oh, that's um, crazy. Yeah. And, you know, for a profession that is so based in honour and all these sorts of things, just to be outcast like yeah. that. And and the fact that the film kind of peppers in the details of this was a common occurrence, sort yeah. of saying like they went across to Edo where the streets were littered with unemployed and homeless samurai. Like There's one scene where the, there's a lot of men pushing through the snow and they, they're quite desperate. And yeah. I don't know what exactly was happening. Uh, it's men working, looking for construction work and, and stuff. Like, yeah. But I think in that, just that little, that little scene, you really understand a lot. Yeah. And it's quick and it's not really clear or explained, but you know what's going yeah, on. Yeah. I it, like that. Yeah. Short, sharp and... This lets you know you're like, oh shit! Like every like this Everyone. is a shitty time at the moment. Everyone's looking for work and and you know unemployed and things, which helps explain the motivation of why Motomo 
decides mm-hmm. to go through with such a insane plan on the happenstance that he might get a little bit of money. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we, we get to uh, know about Hanshiro's daughter and that he gets, you know, a bit goes on here, but basically um, he gets Motomo to marry his daughter. And, by the way, there's an earlier scene where they're, like, 11 and 9 <laughs> in their 30s or something. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, it's, ele- it's 11 and 14 and oh. they're clearly like 35-year-old oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yes, she is unwell. And, again, it reminded me us of the wind rises. Yeah, she so got that much. tuberculosis. <laughs> um, <laughs> which uh, she's had a child with Motomo and then Motomo and her are very sick. Uh, not Motomo. What's the son's name? Kingo. 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 The little baby. Little baby. It's very sweet. Mm. Um, Kingo begets, runs a high fever. Um, and then finally we are understanding that Motomo cannot afford a doctor, cannot afford anything. So this is why Motomo went yeah. to hopefully get money but by offering to do Harakiri. But yeah. But the interesting way that um, Kobayashi has kind of structured the film in this point is, so obviously a lot has happened. We've had like an entire almost 20 years, or well, you know, of 10, things. 15 years of story happening yeah. in these characters' lives. But he makes the smart choice of continually cutting back to present day mm. um, with um, Hanshiro telling that story to the counsellor and the clan and reveals pretty much as, like... When he first starts telling the story, we see instantly, oh, shit, that's the dude who killed himself with the bamboo. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a connection here. Mm. And he cleverly... What the what I love about the film is he reveals that detail to them as well, mm. as early as that. And they're like, well, what the fuck is mm. going on? It adds that element of mystery. I love how, as we're finding out things about what happened in this story... The other samurai are too in the yeah. present moment, and they, there's a moment where they go out and they talk about there's some shit going on here. Yeah. Go and find out where these sick guys are. Yeah. Um. So I like that that we're still on the same side or at the same point yeah. as the samurai, as well as at the beginning, and we find out with them. Yeah. And there's no point that we sort of deviate or, or we know more or, mm. you know, whatever. Like, you were commenting while we were watching it, like, the fact that we know where this goes. Like, mm. we know that... We Moto- can predict it. We can infer what's going to happen. Yeah, well. th- in terms of, like, the flashback story of, like, Motomo, like, we know he's going to go to this car, like this oh, clan yes, yes. and have to kill himself with bamboo and it's a horrific death. We know what that's leading towards, but what the fuck are the circumstances yeah. that get us there? That's where this movie shines, I think, yeah. because... It's a mystery. It creates a mystery somehow in the middle of a drama, like a a family drama almost. It's fucking amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, I love it. And to the point of the, we, uh, Motomo, Motomo, what what the hell is it? Motomo. 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 His body's returned to um, Hashiro, his daughter and all that. And we find out then that he had the bamboo swords and then uh, Hanshiru says, I I wouldn't sell my... It didn't even occur to me to sell my samurai sword. And you can almost feel the guilt in that moment from him. Had I just sold my sword, maybe we could have afforded it. We could have avoided all this. And that's the way we find out that he sold his sword and that's why he had bamboo swords. There's one brief shot earlier where you see him walking past a pawn shop ah. like it's a re- it's right it's a really quick shot there but yeah so yeah. they've kind of peppered and layered in those little elements there but yeah yeah because you're like why why i mean maybe he had the bamboo swords to avoid that but no he he that's all he could have but that's that's what i mean it's like almost the misdirect that the film does where it's at the beginning you as the audience and you're like well Clearly, this guy is not actually a samurai if he doesn't even have real swords. Like, he, yeah, it's adding into that level of was he actually, how big of a fraud was he? Was he just pretending? Was this a scam? And then the story unfolds that, no, his wife and child are dying. And it just makes you feel for them so much and hate the clan so much. Yeah. And I think that's maybe for me where a lot of other samurai films. I don't have, uh, 
a strong connection maybe to the main character or their point or their purpose, whereas this one... Yeah, I I think that was like, I mean, using the recent examples of like, say, Sword of Doom and uh, Kagamusha, the ones that we had watched recently, or like, you know, I say that, but it's like a year and a half ago. (laughs) Um, It's like the fundamental issues that I have with that and why I don't think Kagamusha is one of the great Kurosawa films is it's that exactly. There's not a you're not able to latch on to the no. protagonist as clearly and as emotionally as you can with, say, you know, Seven Samurai or your yes. Jimbo or things. There are, you don't have that, that anchor of a character. 100%. And that's, for me, probably what I, I need. Mm. You can look at those films and go, that is a fucking sweet scene or like, yeah. how that's constructed or as a whole, yeah, it's good, yeah. But it's not... <laughs> It's not necessarily enjoyable as some yeah. of the other ones because you don't have that, that hook. Yeah, to grab like Yeah. Whereas this, for me, it's almost like it's a samurai film second to yeah. all the other stuff that's... Like I said, it's, it's like a family drama, almost. <laughs> like, the predominance of this film is about a family who, have, who are poor and running out of money and then the people get sick and are dying. Like, that's what... That's like, an, that's like an hour and a half of this two-hour film. It doesn't film. matter where you are in place and time. Yeah. You, everyone can connect to that. Yeah. Or most people. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. And I think that's where it, it, you know, that's where it stands out is you can now transfer yourself in 2022 into this situation because that's a relatable, yeah. like you said, family drama. Family. And, it, and it makes you understand the why Hanshiro is doing what he's doing and the revenge that he is seeking. And, so good. And that's what leads into kind of the third act and, like, makes it so much more impactful is that it's not a revenge of violence. It's a revenge of pointing out the falsehood of ideals. Yes, 100%. I, uh, honor is a facade, which is quoted in the film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I've got a great quote point. actually here from Kobayashi who says, uh, all of my pictures are concerned with, <laughs> sorry, all of my pictures are concerned with resisting and entrenching power. That's what Harakiri is about, of course, and, Rebe- and Samurai Rebellion as well. I suppose I've always challenged authority. Yeah. Yeah. So Definitely. Because it- the revenge part for me, we even get his kill count at the end, which yeah. is for... Four kills. And eight seriously wounded. But for me, it's the stuff that we get before that that's, you know, it is a cool scene, that fight scene. We'll get into that. But next we go, where are those three big samurai guys? Like, we've heard previously that they're away sick and they couldn't be here today. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't be here today. Um, But we then find out that um, Hanshiru has... Snipped off their top knot. Yeah. Like, which is worse than death. Yeah. The most dishonorable thing. But then the fact that these men, these honorable samurai, are part of this clan. Sorry, I was doing air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> I realized like audio, audio medium. <laughs> these honorable men are not like taking like, you know, that, 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 you know, that occurrence of to them, like, you know, that disrespect and things and that loss of honour. Instead, they're going and hiding until they can grow it back and pretend <laughs> nothing happened. Bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. everything your house is built on is lies. Yeah. <laughs> Yet you stand and claim honour and, you know, respect and, like, all these old traditions, so much so that you made my son-in-law kill himself with a bamboo stick. Yes. You guys know nothing. Yeah. You're horrible. <laughs> And I love that Hanshiru peppers when he... I used that term before, I like that term. Mm. Peppers when he's going to tell us things. So <laughs> um, he almost did that to those guys, A, to dishonour them, but B, to give himself time to tell his story. Yeah. And he reveals the top knots right at the end. That's yeah. one of the... Or may, could be the last thing he does is reveal the top knots. And he does the first two... He only tells the story of the second one, but then the third one um, then gives us... Now, correct me if I'm wrong, our first action scene in yes. the whole film. Yeah. Which is... God, I don't know how many hours in, but uh, it's in the it's, third it's, act. It's at about the like hour 50 mark. And fuck did I love it. Yeah. It was right at the right time, because it is a bit of an exposition dump at this point. We're now getting all our answers, but then we have this moment to sort of break away and... 
um, see how he gets the last guy. And we already know. Well, do we know? Yeah, we know. Yeah, yeah we he know gets that there's the, yeah. the, something is up. Something is up. Like and you were initially thinking, like, oh shit, did he poison him or something? Yeah. Like, yeah. That when we first like, oh, the, all three of them are out. Like, oh, he's gone around poisoning them. Yeah. Um, but no, it's way more. It's worse. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's a thing. Like losing your top knot. Mm. Such a cool samurai. <laughs> Lore. So disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> but a cool scene in a windy valley. Yeah. On grass. Oh, uh, with like the like perfect placement of like the three shrines behind him off in the distance and things like. That's why I fucking love Kobayashi films. Like he, they're so meticulously framed mm. and he he's almost like Scorsese in a sense of like, there's just some scenes where it's like an almost imperceptible push in yeah. with the camera and stuff. Yeah. Like it's so... So, so planned and yeah. like the visual storytelling and the visual language he's employing is so sublime and yeah. just adds so much texture to the film. And the visual storytelling, like for majority still, every so now and then, every now and then a slow push in and then every now and then a fucking whip pan. Yeah, or like a crash dramatic, zoom. yeah, so good. And the, this fight scene, we get the diagonal uh, camera. You get the Dutch angles happening. Is that what yeah. It is? yeah, Dutch angles. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah. That is so, it is such a cool film. But it's also like the Dutch angles are so perfectly framed to have both them and their swords so perfectly matching in the frame as well. Like, ah, oh, so fucking good. Yeah. But then you also notice, so this uh, so this great first action scene is happening uh, in this valley, this grassy valley with a shitload of wind happening. Yes. And then when we cut back into the temple of him, or into the clan forecourt of him telling the story, all of a sudden there's a fucking gale blowing yeah. inside. And that is purely for emotional impact. Yeah. He is He is getting revved up at that he, moment. The film is switched into a full-on stylized <laughs> masterpiece. Yeah. And... I love it. And I love when something's said and I go, boom, with the drums yeah. and then that crash zoom into the face. I, I said it reminded me a lot of the music in how Kubrick used music in The Shining, yeah. where it's just like well, something dramatic will happen or we'll have a transition of a scene and you'll have like two or three notes of dramatic music while a camera pans across. Yes. And that's it. That's and then it. we're back to silence. It's something to like kind of put you on edge. And I love that the third um, samurai, we can't fight in here. This is no good. I'm going to hit my head on this thing. My mm-hmm. hat, my hat's getting caught. Let's go and fight properly in yeah. a valley, whatever. And then that walking through, as you said, the creepy oh, the, yeah. shrine symmetry, yeah, yeah. that music, the yeah. <laughs> It's setting it all up, the mood, like, oh. perfectly. Yeah. It, it's weird. Like, there are moments of this film that play, like you said, like, great action movie. Like, you know, almost like classic Western style where it's, mm. like, building up that tension of, like, a showdown. Mm. But then there are also scenes that almost play out like a horror movie. <laughs> like, the way that he chooses to light and present scenes. Like, mm. the opening of the film with the presentation of the armor and the mist and the smoke coming through, it's... It's horror imagery. Yeah, yeah. And like the reveal of the bamboo, um, the swords and things. It's, he's shooting it like a horror movie. Horror movie. Yeah. That's so true. I love that. Mm. I've got to say the action in this, I, I, I struggle sometimes with certain action scenes, mainly probably in modern uh, films, but the action is um, not in this film, but in a lot of modern films. It's like a dance and people react before they're swung at. Yeah. I can't explain it any better than that. But imagine someone's about to punch you, but you duck perfectly. Yeah. You know what I mean? This action, it's so, it's it's amazing. It's clumsy yeah. and reactionary. So someone slices or whatever and then he reacts. He does get stabbed. He does do this. He falls over. Someone comes at him, then he you know, stabs him with his sword. Yeah. It's not a ballet of perfectly timed moves. No, no. You know what I mean? It, it's not It's not like a lightsaber fight that's meticulously choreographed. Yeah, it's... and people duck before they've even started swinging. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this one is rough. Yeah. Yeah. And Because it, it, that's the thing, like, I guess samurais, for the most part, like, it is... Sword play like that, It it's meticulous. Like, mm. you think about the, the fight in the Windy Valley and stuff, like, it's... Them a lot of posing and then it's like strike. Yes. And then like reposition, re- yes. reset. Love that. Strike. Like it's, yeah. It's not. It's chess almost. It is. That is a really great way to put it. Picture um, not old um, Star Wars, but new Star Wars. And like one like, lightsaber here, one lightsaber yeah, yeah. down here. 
yeah, exactly. Like, what is going on? Yeah. My eyes can't actually process your fast moves. And they're just whipping and swinging and doing flips and stuff. And you're just like, why? Just stab them. <laughs> you're, just, you're just standing there. Yeah. Whereas this, you know, you're like, you are on edge and the, the slowness in between is then when, when you do have those fast moments, it's like, yeah. you know. It's what makes, like, you think back to, like, the first Star Wars with Obi-Wan and Darth Vader's fight, where it's just, like, clank, 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 oh, clank. That's my favourite fight. <laughs> yeah, because it's, like, oh, that's, because it, it's really, like, you know, Star Wars was inspired by samurai films, so it's, like, there you go. There you go, yeah. So, <laughs> so good. Hmm. Yeah, no, I love the action in this. I love that the action, it wasn't an action film, but there was action in it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That was on the end. And when you get that final... Uh, scene with all of them, mm, like just the outburst. <laughs> Such a payoff. Yeah. For all this, you know, slow storytelling, whatever. That last one, you're like, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Get him. It's, it's just that. It's just that build up and that build up, and it's because as well we've watched our character, like Hanshiro, explain and like perfectly tell us why he is a broken human being and like the the hatred, not hatred, but like you know the emotions building up inside of him. And it's, it's we're getting the release at the same time that he has because yes. we un, the film has taken its time to lay out everything for us and justify his actions and his motivations so perfectly. It's not just for the honour of being a samurai. No. There is a reason. Yeah. And and we, we've connected with that. Yeah. yeah. And it's that idea of, like, you guys, you know, pointing out to the clan, like, you guys think you're honourable. Yeah. You don't know what the fuck honour is. Yeah. Like a man coming in and offering his life to save his family, that's honor. And he asked for a day or two of respite, and you didn't even bother asking. Why? You were so had your own interests and your own ideas of what honor is, yeah, that you fucked up so bad. Because and now of it. I'm here to fuck in you the up. most dishonorable <laughs> way. Like, you, you thought you were acting honorably, but instead, you did one of the most dishonorable things. And disgusting things you could do. It, it's amazing, mm. like, to then have him perfectly just be like, "Y'all fucked now." <laughs> what a mate! What a master of storytelling this whole thing is. This it's, is how you tell a story. It's fantastic, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I love it. It holds up. It, it holds up today. Yeah. The, like the only thing I said was a little bit of an ex, uh, a little bit of a dump at the end, which we already knew. Yeah. But apart from that, perfect. Yeah, it's just the little touches as well, like you know. It, with, with it, the, I mentioned earlier how the film opens with the the um, empty shield of uh, like suit of armor and things there, which then he later uses as the you know shield and stuff later. It's it's the little moments like that, just being like these guys like worshiping like you know the old traditions and things. It's like this classic suit of armor, but it's fucking hollow. It's empty. Yeah, it's, it, empty. it's and he throws it on the ground in front. Like it's just the little things. Like yeah. like like we were saying, you didn't need that exposition dump. We've got. The thing's right there you telling us. You've told us. You've done all these things. Again, the guy who gets sliced open and then slowly falls down the mural of... Of, the, of their, the like, clan. insignia. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Mm. It's, yeah, it's it's weird. Like, we've kind of breezed through it, but it, I think that's partly because it's an economical film. Like, a lot happens, but also not much happens. It's so... It knows how to, like you said, tell its story perfectly. And I think like what you said before of cutting back to him in the courtyard explaining it allows then the director to pick and choose what he shows and it doesn't have to be succinct. He can just pick out the moments that are important. Um, The moment with Hanshiri and his friend, for example, Mm. I was like, where are we? What are we, you know? But it was so minimal and small, but it it got across exactly what it needed to. This is Motomo's son. Uh, Motomo has been um, put in Hanshiro's care. Yep. And then again, uh, this guy wants to marry his daughter, but he doesn't want that He's marriage. like, I don't want her to become a concubine. concubine. Yeah, so, no. Um, I'll get her to marry Motomo because they love each other, and that's but, what's important. But not just that as well. Like, by doing that, like, obviously, if he sold off his daughter, like, through marriage, that obviously ensures a good and, hap- like, wealthy life for both him and his daughter. But at the same time... By rejecting that, like the the sake of you know comfortability mm. for happiness of his family, it immediately tells us that Hanshiro is someone who loves and cares about family first and foremost, which what which helps make what ends up happening yes. so much more impactful because we see how much this means to him. Yeah, it it's, adds to his character development yeah. and and our understanding of who he is. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Ah. Oh. 
What else is there to say? I know. Just five, five stars, everybody. Five stars. This is probably one of the best ones I've seen in the collection. Yeah, it, it's it's a stone-cold masterpiece, this one. I love it because sometimes <laughs> you tell me you're going to love this. I'm yeah. like, all right, no, no, let's no. see. Like I said, like this this is one that I was, I've been waiting for. Like, yes. I've known it's coming up. Like like I said, like these next ten, I've got like five of I own five of them, I think. Like, mm. it's, it's room for a good batch. It's a cool cover as well. We should post this because it's yeah. a really cool... Um, the, the, kind of the cross section of like the slicing, yeah. yeah. Mm. And then the Tokyo circle up the top. Yeah. That honor thing, yeah. So good. Um, yeah, I don't know. Any, any other final thoughts on this one? Um, no, I'm ready for taglines if you are. Oh, or do you have yeah. something first? Well, I've got a little bit of trivia and things oh, as yes. well. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, like I, I was just reading actually the um, kind of a lot of kind of the reception and how well it was received. Um, it currently has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, but not that that really means anything much. Um, <laughs> 100%. But, uh, yeah, 100%. Like, it isn't, like, all the reviews have been positive on it. That's, that does mean something, I yeah. think. Um, Roger Ebert actually added the film to his great movies list uh, in his 2012 review. Um, he said, Samurai films, like westerns, need not be familiar genre stories. They can expand to contain stories of ethical challenges and human tragedy. Harakiri, one of the best of them. It, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Going on and things. But, yeah, just the, the fact that... Sorry, that just, I think, perfectly explains. Like, it's... You don't have to stick... Just because, like you said, you don't... You didn't think this was a samurai film. Yeah. Even though it is, but it... It is. So a samurai film. There's so much about the lore and the honour and all that, but it's not a samurai film. No, that's it. Like, it, in the same way, like, a lot of westerns and things, it doesn't have to be... Like like you said, it doesn't have to stick to those genre tropes. Mm. It, it can use those those settings and those characters and those styles to tell a story about ethics and family and morality and things. It's so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a little bit of trivia before taglines. Mm -hmm. uh, so the film uh, was nominated for the Palm Door at the 1963 Film Fest, uh, Cannes Film Festival. Uh, it lost to uh, Visconti's The Leopard, where it's like, okay, I get it, but... I don't, um, but I'm sure you do. But it did win a special jury prize anyway because of that. Um, everyone just fucking loved it. Good. Uh, the film is currently ranked number 47 on IMDb's top 250 of all time and number four on Letterboxd top of all time. Fuck, that's the, crazy. It is the fourth highest rated film on Letterboxd. Can I just say, I would think a lot of new generations would not even know about this film. I didn't know about this film. Thank you, Criterion. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Criterion. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's what makes Criterion important, isn't it? Mm, but that's the thing, like, the radar. you know, the fact that it's the fourth highest rated film on Letterboxd means, like, you know, not necessarily everyone has seen it, but those that have, have? seen it Love have it. rated it four and a half to five stars. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's true. Mm. Interestingly, uh, the currently the number one rated film on Letterboxd of all time Everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> if you need more of an indicator, go see that movie. And you've got to watch um, their reaction to that. There's a little YouTube video of them going, oh, guys, no, we are not better than The Godfather. Yeah. Manage your expectations. Don't come into our film thinking like that's yeah. so funny. I fucking love the Daniels so much. <laughs> um, yeah, here we go. It's some other little trivia. Uh, while filming, uh, Tatsuya Nakadai, uh, so Hanshiro, mm -hmm. was afraid during most of the sword and spear fighting scenes because really swords were being used <laughs> a practice that is now forbidden in Japanese films uh, his concern was not alleviated even though professional swordsmen were employed during the choreographed sword play uh, I'd mentioned that Nakadai thought this is the best film he ever appeared in you did it's really kind of about it in terms of actual interesting Interesting trivia, yeah. I mean, if you must stuff about the black teeth. <laughs> oh, that shit's weird. Man. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. That that's about it. Have you got a tagline for us? Uh, Harakiri, revenge is a dish best served slow. Ooh, I yeah. like it slow cooked. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I was gonna go with uh, life's a bitch, then you die. <laughs> 
said during the movie, and I said, that should be your tagline. Oh, no, 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 I can't, can't remember it. We'll have yeah. to try and remember later. Mm. Uh, normally, this would be the point of the, uh, the episode where we'd want to find out what Claire thinks this film is about, but as I said, she's now watched it multiple times. <laughs> high praise. Yeah, that, that is really high praise, um, yeah, to get her to sit down and watch yeah, willingly. I, multiple I times. love Claire because unless she likes it, she ain't watching it. Exactly. So when when she does commit and watch something, especially something this long, yeah, y- it is high praise. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'll go into the actual Criterion edition itself. So it's still in print from Criterion as a one disc Blu-ray or DVD. It's also available on the Criterion channel, and it comes with a video introduction by Japanese film historian Donald Ritchie, excerpt from a rare Directors Guild of Japan video interview with director Masakai Kobayashi, moderated by filmmaker Masahi. Masahiro Shinoda, uh, video interview with star Tatsuo Nakadai and screenwriter Shinobi Hashimoto, original theatrical trailer, and the usual booklet and essay that Criterion usually do. Yeah. But I guess, you know, that'll about wrap us up. I feel bad. It's it's a shortish episode, but at the same time, it's... I feel like we got a lot across, though. Yeah, exactly. Like this film, we were economic with what we did (laughs) and how we said it. Um, But yeah, I guess uh, that'll wrap us up for this week's episode looking at Harakiri. Uh, all the usual promotional stuff. Uh, check out the Patreon. Um, we're going to be diving into our guilty pleasure commentaries. Mm. So we got some fun little stuff coming up over the next few months with that. Uh, otherwise, uh, all the standard stuff, it's all in the episode links. Uh, you can send us an email at, at thecriterionquest at gmail.com. Uh, otherwise, we'll be back in a fortnight's time. I know, are we going to do our little follow-up Oscar thing? Or? Yeah, we can, maybe. We'll I see. don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we we might be back with a with another little um, annoying Oscar episode, <laughs> another listicle type episode, or we might be back with Nicholas Rogue's bad timing. Do you know Nicholas Rogue is a filmmaker? Not at all. Walkabout. Ah. Uh, the witches. Yes, so Bad Timing is a sexual thriller starring Art Garfunkel. (laughs) I'm out! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Talking about ginger froze. Yeah, I know, right? He's giving Janet Frame a run for his money. Yeah, when you think sex symbol of the 70s and 80s, you think Art Garfunkel. That receding hairline, nasally voice. Mm. Hot. But uh, yeah, thank you all for listening and tune in uh, for that episode. But uh, for this week, uh, my name is Chris. I'm Lee. And we'll see you next time.